Welcome to the Hope City Church Podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. Okay, look at your neighbor and say, are you hungry? Are you hungry? I know it's, it's almost 12 o'clock. It's almost lunchtime. The answer is always yes. Uh, <laughs> always hungry. You can wait a few moments. We're, we'll go eat soon. Uh, in your defense, I wanted to bring snacks, but I wasn't really sure of what a good snack was to represent hunger for Jesus. And every snack I came up with just fell short. So I was like, white cheddar popcorn doesn't really suit being hungry for Jesus. So I was like, we'll just leave this. <laughs> Open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 24. And we're going to share together today. We're talking about, are you hungry? Yes, we are. And... I've been thinking about this. Have you ever been so busy in life that you lost your, you weren't hungry? You ever like worked so hard or got so into a project or something you were doing that you forgot to eat, that you actually lost your hunger and you were just like in the zone? Anybody, anybody ever been there? Only a handful. Of, wow, the rest of you are truly hungry people. Uh, I think, I've been thinking about this and I think... The one of the tools the enemy uses in our life is busyness. And he, he tells us that being busy and busyness is equal to being productive. Uh, being busy means that you've got your life figured out and that you're on the right track and that you're on the right path. That busyness causes you to meet the needs for your family and it's a good thing and, and you should do those things. And those things are all good. It's important to know who you are. It's important to know who God's called you to be. It's important to take care of your family. But it's not important to sacrifice those things and you get so busy that you lose your hunger. And I think what the enemy has done is tried really hard to teach us all just to fill your life up at every moment, at every turn, at every second you have, that you are so busy naturally that you lose your spiritual hunger. And as I was thinking about this, the Lord took me to Matthew chapter 24 and verse 36. Can I add to that already? Sorry. Yes. Is that, you know, you're talking about, you know, when we forget to eat, it's because we, we get more wrapped up in the work than our awareness of our need for food. Amen. And I think that's a message for some of us is we, we can get more wrapped up in focusing on the work and we forget about our need for food, but we need to live with the holy awareness. And I said this in the nine o'clock service, I, I'm going to finish that thought of our holy awareness of our need for the food of the father, which is the word of God and fellowship with him in, in the things of the spirit. But I'd said this in the nine o'clock message is if we would all lean in for the next 15 to 20 minutes, okay? with an ear that hears, because I believe that this is a prophetic message, not just for our church, but for the body of Christ, that we would recalibrate and come into that place that we were created for his presence. We were created to have fellowship with the Father and to taste and see that the Lord is good. So, Matthew chapter 24, starting in verse 36, and we're going to read down to verse 44 together. Jesus is talking, and he says, uh, but about that day or hour, no one knows. He's talking about when the Lord's coming back. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. 
As it was in the days of Noah, so will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days uh, of the, before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. This is how it will be at the, at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken, and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a hand mill. One will be taken and the other one left. Therefore, everybody say therefore. Therefore. Keep watch. Come on. Because you don't know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. And so I think, as I I was pondering this, I realized that the early followers of Jesus lived in a state of perpetual anticipation or expectation of the return of Jesus. And because they lived in that way, they were always affecting and adjusting their schedules in their life in, to line up with that. Right. They had this understanding. Jesus is coming back soon. I don't know when, but he's coming back. I've got to be ready. And so everything they did, what they thought about, right. what they did, how they lived their life, was all lined up with at any moment Jesus could come back. Mm-hmm. I think we've gotten so busy not us here, other people, other Christians at other churches, <laughs> ones down the street. None of us have gotten so busy that we have forgotten the real mission that we're all on. Come on. We have forgotten, like we all, when I say forgotten, I know we all know that the Lord is coming back one day and we all know somewhere in our head and in our heart that this is temporal and there is eternity but we have forgotten in the sense that it no longer seems to affect our daily schedules and our daily life. Do you understand what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Am I saying that clearly? And so we've lost our hunger for the king and his kingdom. We've grown, again, not us, other people, uh, lethargic or sleepy or lackadaisical where it's kind of like, yeah, whatever. Like, I'm going to live my life. I'm going to make my plans. I'm going to go on and do whatever I want to do. Jesus is coming back sometime, but I don't think it's going to be a lot for a long time. And I don't have to worry about that stuff. But these people lived in such a way that their whole lives were surrendered to the idea that Jesus is coming and there is a goal and there is a mission that I'm called to fulfill. And what is that mission? Well, it's the great commission, right? It's the one where Jesus was getting ready to go into heaven. And he said, I'm taking off, boys. It's time for you to continue the work that I started here. Go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations. You could read about that at the end of the book of Matthew or in Mark chapter 16, verse 15, is where Jesus talks about it. But if we're not hungry anymore, we've lost our hunger, then we don't think about these things the way that Jesus probably wants us to. So go with me to Matthew chapter 5. Before you read that, can I just add a scripture? And as he was sharing this, um, I was reminded of this, 
And I was actually reading the scripture yesterday out of Matthew, and it's, it's written in several other places in the Gospels. Well, a few other places. Uh, Matthew 3, 2, I think this is a New King James Version, but it says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Okay, and I think that word repent is really key, okay? And, and we always need to be living in a place of repentance. You know, the scripture says repent so you can be converted so that times of refreshing may come. We're always going to be in time of repentance and refreshing. That doesn't make us bad. That makes us human. Amen? That we're always in this place of recalibrating and that makes sure that we're positioned in this place of his presence so that we're in this place of yieldedness to his spirit so we're in place of surrender. But I'm, I looked it up in the Passion Translation too. I think you're going to like this. It said, heaven's kingdom is about to appear. So you'd better keep turning away from evil and turning back and turn back to God. I'm going to say this again. Heaven's kingdom, church, is about to appear. So you better keep turning away from evil. Do you notice it says keep turning? It wasn't a one-time turning, but it's like recalibrating, recalibrating. You know, remember like Tom Tom, recalculating, 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 okay? So you'd better keep turning away from evil and turn back to God. Isaiah 55, 6 says, seek the Lord while he may be found, call upon him while he is near. I'm going to say that again. Seek the Lord while he may be found, call upon him while he is near. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says that God has made everything beautiful in his time and that he has planted eternity into the heart of every person. So you might not even, you might be in this church today and you might not be saved, but I'm here to tell you today that God has even planted eternity in your heart. So as you hear this message today, I believe something is going to be pricked inside of you today that, oh, maybe I have been born for more. Surely you have been called into the kingdom for such a time as this and you too are part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Amen. Amen. And I just want to say in the name of Jesus church, let's wake up, let's arise, let's step into the holy calling that God has, has for us because it's time. It says, seek the Lord while he may be found. And I believe that's a scripture for now, that there is a now thing that the Holy Spirit is doing all across this earth, but I don't want to get so focused on all across the world today. I want to get focused on right here and now in this Metron, in this sphere, Hope City church, that there is something that God is doing here that we need to partner with God and pay attention so that we are um, aware and we are awake to the things that God has. I just want to read this quickly in, in the New Living where it says, you know, he's put eternity into the heart of every person. It says here in the New Living Translation, he has planted eternity into the human heart. That's good. He has planted eternity into the human heart. You might be sitting in this place this morning and you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your savior, but I'm here to tell you he's planted eternity into your heart. And there's something inside of you. There's something inside of all of us that knows there's more. Whew, it's good. <laughs> I'm hungry. Yeah. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> It's only 12.04. Don't, don't worry Bring about it. Bring the popcorn in. Where's Olivia? <laughs> Matthew chapter 5. This is Jesus' first sermon to everybody. So good. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. Can you imagine preaching that good your first time? <laughs> so good. Yeah. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. It's a powerful message. We don't know if he had notes or not. <laughs> he may have had like some, something written on his hand. I don't know what he was doing. Matthew chapter 5. 
Jesus comes out of the gate hot with what we call the Beatitudes. And he is speaking to people who up to this point have been waiting for the Messiah. They've been living under laws and requirements and rules and all kinds of heavy burdens that they couldn't really carry on their own. It was tiresome. It was wearisome for them. Could you imagine having a religion that required you like once a year to go and sacrifice animals to get rid of your sins and you could only do it one time a year and you couldn't eat certain food and you couldn't do this, you couldn't do that, you had to stay far away and all these kind of things. This is what they were living under. And Jesus shows up and begins to teach and preach a new message to them. And right off the bat, his first message, he begins with what we call the Beatitudes. And in chapter 5 of verse 6, he says this. And I want you to read Barclays. Yeah. yeah. So he says, this is what the scripture says. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Now, I'm going to have Jen read part of this commentary to explain to you what this looks like. But just so we're on the same page, this isn't the a little bit hungry kind of hungering and thirsting after God. This isn't peckish. This isn't like I could go for a snack. I could eat an appetizer for Jesus. Tell them what this looks like. Um, I want to read it in the Passion Translation first. You tell I like it. But how enriched you are when you crave righteousness. It says that with an exclamation. For you will be surrounded with fruitfulness. Amen. Okay, so Barclay's commentary, and he actually made the comment that this was the most demanding of all the Beatitudes um, because it requires something from us, okay? It requires more. So this is what he said. So then the hunger which the Beatitude describes is no genteel hunger which could be satisfied with a mid-morning snack. The thirst of which it speaks is no thirst which could be... um, which could come about with a cup of coffee or an ice drink. It is the hunger of a man who is starving for food. And the thirst of a man who will die unless he drinks. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. And another thing I wanted to comment, I didn't say this in the first service, but righteousness isn't like you want part of him. We want all of him. All, yeah, all or nothing. So when Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst, this is, this is the kind of, when he spoke it and he was trying to communicate it to the people, what he was saying was, you got to be hungry like you've never been hungry before. And in fact, the Greek word equates to the word famished. Isn't that a great word, famished? Like I hope sitting here right now, you are famished. And it says, when it talks about thirst, it's that you desire ardently. Like, ardently means you want it more than anything. You need it. If you don't get it, you would die. This is how bad you need it. So when Jesus was trying to communicate, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, this is the level of hunger and thirst that he was referring to. Not what many of us deem or term hunger and thirst for the kingdom. Many of us, our level of hunger and thirst, I dare say, is met 
Sunday mornings when we come to church for an hour and a half or two hours. And that satiates and that satisfies you and that quenches your thirst and you go your way and you don't think about it again for another week. You don't open your Bible. You don't have quiet time with Jesus. You don't talk to him when you're driving your car. You don't talk to him about your problems. You don't, you don't visit him in your everyday life. You're not drinking from him. You're satisfied here. But that's not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is talking about a level of hunger and thirst where you would die if it wasn't met. Like, blessed are you when you follow Jesus, for you will be fruitful. You know, when we're chasing busyness, when we're following busyness, you know what we're going to inherit? The fruit of busyness, which is exhaustion, which is frustration, which is toil, which is our best plans, maybe, but not God's best plan. Our plans won't hold a candle to God's plans. It won't, it won't, you know, the fruit of busyness is not an enriched marriage. It's not, you know, your, your children living their best life because you're going to lack capacity to put inside of them. But when we're following after Jesus, we're going to, we're going to reap the fruit of following after Jesus, which is love, which is joy, which is peace, which is patience, which is goodness, which is gentleness, which is the fruit of the kingdom of God in and through our lives and into the generations of our family. So yes, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. More of that, please. Amen? More of Jesus, please, because this isn't just about us. This is about Sydney. This is about Josiah. This is about my grandchildren. This is about my great-grandchildren. Parents, this isn't just about us. This is about the generations are to come. Look around the room. This isn't just about you. This is about everybody in this room that is a representation of generations of generations of a bloodline that we have an opportunity to sow into. So blessed are we when we follow Jesus because we shall be fruitful to the glory of God, church. Amen? Amen. Amen. I want to I wanna read something and I want to read it. No, no, you don't need to apologize. We have to have Yes, I want, I'm using it for something in a second. Don't touch it. Popcorn is like... I want to read something to you. Uh, because just what you were talking about there. So, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Then it says this. Here's the promise. Here's the promise for each and every one of us. You will be filled. Come on. You will be filled. So, Jesus is saying, when you hunger and thirst for righteousness, your good Father in heaven... The creator of the heavens and the earth isn't going to leave you at his table saying, listen, there are restaurants that I go to that Jen loves. She loves them because she loves them because she loves them. And we go there and it's the atmosphere. atmosphere. Yes, I was just going to say, it's the atmosphere and she loves it. Listen, I go to those places and I'm hungry when I'm done eating. (laughs) We either, we either. We either will go and get a hamburger at like Wendy's before or we'll go to Wendy's and McDonald's after because I'm still hungry. Am I alone in that? Do I have an eating problem? Okay, so I'm not alone. Great. Just wanted to make sure. Listen, you, you will not go to the table of your father and leave hungry. He says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Now listen, I just want to read this to you. It is the Greek word, um, kortadzo, and it is this. Supply food in abundance. 
So when he says that you will be filled, it's not a little bit. It's not a tiny drop. It's not a morsel. It's not, hey, I'm so sorry. This is all I have. And we'll share it. But then that, when it's gone, it's gone. It is in abundance. It means to feed, to fill, and to satisfy. That's the God that we serve. So when you hunger and thirst for righteousness, for justification, for right standing, you know, we say righteousness is right standing with God where you are cleansed by the blood of Jesus and you are no longer held in contempt and you are no longer having your sins held against you. You are justified. Then it says that you will be filled. Yeah, to overflowing. You should be way more happier about that, guys. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and I get excited about being filled because when I get filled, that means filled to overflow, amen? Yeah. So that there's enough Jesus food, and if I can say it like that, Jesus food, Jesus inside of food. me that I get to share it with everybody around me. So I get to share this morning, if you could tell, I had some Jesus joy happening inside of me, okay? I want to share some of that Jesus joy in the room because I know that we all need a little more of Jesus joy, Jesus joy. I'm going to live in the Jesus joy. That Jesus song. food brings you know? Jesus joy. We're going to get full of some peace. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to give that peace away. We're going to get full of some goodness and we're going to give that goodness away. We're going to get full of some patience and we're going to drive on those roads in Jesus' name and we're going to give that patience away. You know what? Go to... Costco on a Saturday and practice giving that patience away. But what we get full of, we will give away. And I have to ask you, what are you giving away? You know, and are we sharing the gospel? Because perhaps if we haven't been sharing the gospel, and this is not to bring condemnation, this is to inspire you, to encourage you, maybe to help you, help me too. But, you know, if we haven't been sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ on a regular basis, maybe we are not filled enough with Jesus because we've only been concerned about just being filled enough to feel good but not being filled to overflowing to give it away well I think if you're not sharing with Jesus it's because you're not hungry for him yourself well, sure. it could be that too it could be a number it could be a spirit of fear who wants to have a prayer line right now <laughs> what did you say it could be a spirit of fear let's do a prayer line right now <laughs> I think if you're not sharing Jesus it's because in your own life you don't hunger him yourself he hasn't met your needs yourself. And so, of course, you don't want to share it with anybody because I'm not hungry for it. Listen, when you have something that you love, you want to share it with everybody, don't you? When you have, like, a favorite food, a favorite dish, a favorite movie, a favorite song, you just want to share it with everybody. Tell them how great this is. you got to hear this. you got to try this. you got to taste it because you've experienced it. You've tasted it yourself, and you want to share it because you were hungry for that thing. But if you're not hungry for something, if you're not hungry for Jesus, you're not going to turn around and give it away because you've never tasted of it yourself. Right. And living in that place of yieldedness to his spirit or living in that place of we need Jesus. You know, you'll never know that Jesus is all you need until he's all you have, right? And, you know, we've heard it say, like, to him who forgives much, loves much. If you've ever, if you ever, if you have a testimony of how Jesus saved you, you are, you are in remembrance of that every single day in what Jesus did in you, you want him to do for somebody else. Amen? Yeah. You know, like, we have medicine. We have Jesus, Holy Ghost, medicine to help 
a world in need that is confused, to help a world in need who is broken, to help a world in need who's hopeless, to help people who are dealing with thoughts of suicide. You know what? Let me pray with you. Let me walk with you. Let me help you. We have this medicine. And when you live with that awareness of, I have this Jesus medicine right inside this cabinet of my heart. I want to help you. Amen? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. You have to keep your microphone at your mouth the whole time. Yes, Pastor Jake. <laughs> it's so hunger starts with an appetite for something. It's coming. It's coming. It's a good part. What? Well, I don't know. I mean, I feel like eat it? every time we look at the Word of God, it's a good part. So <laughs> uh, hunger starts with an appetite for something. An appetite starts, you acquire an appetite for something when somebody has tasted something, right? So if you have tasted popcorn before, taste this popcorn. No, you taste it. No, you taste sure, it. I you, feel I'm holding it. You taste it. Mmm. How's that taste? What are you doing? It's embarrassing. It is? How, tell us how it tastes. Salty. Mmm. Take another bite. Oh. Tell us more. What does it feel like in your mouth? Buttery. Buttery? Feels good because oh. I love popcorn. I want to try some of this now. Mmm. Mmm. This one was kind of dry. I need another one. Maybe pull. Mm. Maybe pull no. Away. No, everybody needs to hear the, the noises. Feel bad for people listening after. Mmm. Hear the noises. Mmm. That one was good. So, hunger comes when you have an appetite for something. And you gain an appetite for something by tasting it. By tasting it. Psalm 34, verse 8, says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. When you've tasted of God in your own life, in your own circumstances, in your own problems, in your own failings, in your own faults, and you've seen that he is good, just like I shared this with Jen and Jen took a bite and I said, mm, I need to have some of that for myself. That's what happens in your life. Because when you've tasted and seen that God is good, you begin to share it with other people. Yeah. You want other people to experience what you experienced. I was telling people in the first service how much I hate seafood. Hate it. Makes me, honestly, makes me sick. Can't eat it. I throw up. For real. But no matter how many times I tell people this, they always say this to me, and I'm sure you've heard it, and I'm sure you know exactly what I'm going to say. They always say, but you haven't tried my seafood. You haven't tried my calamari. You haven't tried my uh, salmon. You haven't tried my this, that, or the other. And I say, listen, it doesn't matter whose I try. If it comes out of the water, it makes me sick. <laughs> no swimmers. No swimmers. <laughs> Flyers and walkers only. <laughs> <laughs> but when you have tasted something that was good to you, you can't help but share it That's with right. other people. Come on. Jen took some, tasted it, and it looked so good to me. And I could see the smile on her face, and I could smell the popcorn. I could see the results. I could see the residue. I could see what was happening inside of her that I wanted to partake in it as well. And so you also create appetites in the people that you do your life around. 
when you yourself go and taste and see that God is good to you, when they are living their life around you, when they're hanging out with you, when they're talking to you, when they're listening to you, their lives will have this hunger that begins to get created inside of them because what God has done in you. That's right. And that's what should be happening. People around you should be hungry for Jesus because they've been around you. If you've been hungry for Jesus... If you're not hungry for Jesus, then they won't be hungry for Jesus either. Right, they won't know what they're missing. They won't know what they're missing. So, how do you change your appetite? Maybe you're sitting here and you're saying, this, this is a great ethereal thought. This is a great thought that's like way out there that applies to other people, but it doesn't apply to me. Because truthfully, I don't have a hunger for Jesus. I'm not hungry for Jesus. I'm not thirsty for Jesus. I'm happy with my life looking like it is. But maybe I want to make some changes in my life. Maybe I want to be hungry for Jesus. But I don't know where to start. So how do you change your appetite? How do you change the hungers and the desires that you do have inside of you? Because listen... Here's the great news. You can change it. Just like you can change your natural desires, you can change your natural hungers, you can change your natural appetites, you can also change those things that you feed on spiritually. And you can begin to have a hunger for the things of God like you never have before. Well, this is exciting, isn't it? Tell us. I'm going to tell you. So, and I want to remind you as well. I want to remind you of this. So often in life, people are looking for get-rich-quick schemes. They're looking for the easy, quick answer. They're looking for the fast fix. But some things in the kingdom, some things in life take time. In fact, they tell you when it comes to things like uh, exercise and losing weight naturally or building muscle naturally, what they say to you is that you don't want to shortcut things because if you find a way to shortcut it, it doesn't usually last but you want things to be slow and steady and natural because they have lasting results. So the first thing you have to do, everybody say first thing. First thing thing you have to do in changing your appetite from the things that you are hungry for now that you know that you shouldn't be hungry for, the first thing you need to do is make a choice. Everything starts with a choice. Everything in your life starts with a choice. In fact, there's nothing that you don't do It doesn't start with a choice of some kind. So if you're saying, I know that I need to be hungry for God, but I'm not hungry for God, what do I I have to do? The first thing you have to do is choose to make a change. You have to realize, I got to change some things in my life. What I've been doing hasn't gotten me what I was hoping for, what I thought it would give me bringing me the results I was hoping for. I need to make some changes. So right here, right now, I am deciding and making a choice from this moment forward to change some patterns and habits in my life. Got anything? Nope, not yet. All right. Joshua chapter 24, verse 15 says this. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day who you will serve whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the God of the Amorites in whose land you're living. But as for me and my household, Joshua says, we will serve the Lord. 
What he said right there was, you choose what you're going to do, but as for me and my family, we are choosing Jesus. Everything in your life starts with a choice. You say, I'm not hungry for God, but I know I need more, but I just can't figure out how to do it. Choose Jesus. Make a decision. Make a choice. That's the beginning of the process right there. Now, making a choice is easy, isn't it? Sometimes, like, who's ever started something like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to change the world. I'm going to start a diet. I'm going to start this new thing. I'm going to paint my car. I'm going to revamp my entire house. And you have these crazy plans. You, like, go sit down. And you, like, plan it all out. Anybody done those things? Yeah, yeah. It's easy to make that part, isn't it? It's easy to have, like, the idea stage and, like, yes, let's do it. And then the work comes. Then the work comes. So the next step after you make a choice is commitment, 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 a commitment. You thought I was going to change my mind there. And then when you've hit that commitment, commitment, the Bible says in Psalm 37, 5, commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will do this. It's easy to make a choice. The commitment part is the hard part. Yeah. And I want to say this to you today as well. Commit to see it through. Commit to the finish line. Nobody makes a commitment to run a marathon with the thought in the back of their head, I'll probably only run like 10 minutes. <laughs> That's all I'm really going for. I'm going to do all this training and then eh, I'll quit when I'm done. No, you run to win. They run to win or they run to finish. Yeah. It's always the Kenyans that run to win. Everybody else is the ones who run to finish the race. They're built for it. They're built for it. You got to make a commitment and say, I am choosing right here, right now, to make some changes in my life. And I am choosing to make a commitment to see this through to the end. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to, when I get tired, when it looks hard, when it's not as fun as I thought it was going to be, when things are weird or my friends don't want to come along and walk this road with me, I'm still committing to choosing this path and seeing it through to the finish line. Next thing, the last thing I have here for you is this. It's perseverance. John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus is talking. He says, I've told you these things so that in me you might have peace. He says this great little sentence, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Who doesn't love that scripture? So when you have chosen to forsake those little snacks and those little delicacies that you've been filling up with on your own life and say, I realize I need to make a choice to make some changes in my life so that I am hungering and thirsting after God and I am leaving the snickerdoodles and the popcorn and all these other things that have been filling me up, I'm leaving those things aside. When you make that choice, you have to commit to see that through and then when the days come and it's the worst day you thought you could ever have where everything that could possibly go wrong goes wrong, you're saying, good Lord, what have I done? Why did I choose this? Why did I say I'm gonna walk this road? That in the middle, 
middle of that, you say to yourself, I am going to persevere that this storm is not going to cause me to drown. I'm not going to go under. I'm not going to die. I'm not going to fall to the wayside. I'm going to persevere and I'm going to walk all the way through this because Jesus is here beside me because right here it says, I have overcome the world. And if he is for you, who can be against you? Amen. You know, we got to come on. One of the things Barclay had written in his commentary was like, what do you want? How much do you want? You know, blessed are those who hunger and thirst, you know, for all of Jesus, not just part of Jesus. You know, I want to say to you as, you know, a pastor in this church, what do you want your life to look like in 10 years? Do you want your life to look fruitful? Do you want your life to look full of the Spirit of God, more of the fullness of the Spirit of God? Do you want your life to, you know... Do you want to have lived a more sanctified, you know, life, you know, through the power of the Holy Spirit so you look more like Jesus in 10 years than you do today? I do. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Because like you said, you know, you got to start, it starts with a choice. And we have a choice, right? It says, choose you this day. Choose, I'm saying to you, choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house... We will serve the Lord. And, you know, I, I, I find in my life that when I make the choice just to say yes to Jesus, that grace follows my yes. Every single time the Lord has not failed me. Um, but I had Googled, and I shared this with the first service, because um, I'm a bit of a geek, so I just like to look things up. But how to change your appetite, like just naturally, like how to change your appetite. So I'm not going to read all of them because there's not time. But we had already touched on the rest of God, so I just wanted to, or rest, or, you know, rest. Yeah, so I just wanted to touch on that for a little bit of how to change our life, just some practicals, is we got to practice a life of rest, okay? I think it was Shakespeare that said it was the space between the notes that um, makes the music, um, is that when I'm living from a place of rest, that I'm not walking around just with eyes that see humanly, but I'm able to see spiritually as well. When I'm living from a place of rest, that I'm not just hearing with my natural eyes, but I'm hearing the voice of my Father. I'm hearing with an ear that hears. When I'm living from that place of rest, when I, you know, which helps change my appetite for the things of the Spirit of God, is that it changes my heart, and I know, and I become a person that doesn't just obey the Lord, but feels convicted to quickly obey and respond to the Lord. Amen. So that's one of the ways it's worked in my life just to help change my appetite is not just to rest, but we have to practice a rhythm of rest. Amen. Hallelujah. Practice rhythm of rest where nobody gets this space but Jesus, you know, so that I can be filled up you know, regularly, fully, one day of the week, Saturday, it's every day, but one day he fully gets my attention. Nobody else. But Jesus gets my attention so that I'm able to get filled up. And the other thing that rest reminds me of, it reminds me of who I am. Yeah. So when I, when I pull out of the rest of God, when I'm not practicing the rest of God in my life, I forget who I am. I can forget what I have been called to do on this planet, you know, because it just like happens insidiously, you know, like kind of like frog in the water. But, it, you know, that, that's one of the things that helps change my appetite is practicing rest. And then here, um, a practical was, you know, to change your appetite, you got to exercise regularly. But I wrote here spiritually is you got to use your gifts, church. And say that again, church, you got to use your gifts. Amen. 
Because I don't know if there's anything more on this planet that reminds me of who I am in Christ, you know, reading the word, yes, you know, and, you know, I just happened to lead worship. So, you know, I was going to say worship, but I'm always in this place of worship reminds me of who I am. And one of the things that I was born on this earth was to take my place in heaven and declare heaven to earth. Amen. I can remember when I was about 23 years old, Jake's dad, um, who is our pastor, and we got to have them here because there's, I feel like a lot of people haven't met them yet, but he'd asked me the question. He's like, baby, he's from the South, so he can call me baby and it's not weird. Um, but he said, but he did. That's how he said it to me in his Southern accent. But he said, when is it that you feel the closest to the Lord? And I thought about it for a minute and I was really young. Okay. So I was like a very young 23 year old. I said, huh? I said, you know what? When I write a song. I said, because there's just something about hearing the voice of my good, good father speak to me, in me, and then it produces something. And, and, then, and then sometimes we'll sing it in church. And then when I see the life of God happen through that song, I'm like, wow, wow. And that's one of the things that fuels my fire, you know, to want to hunger. You know, it, 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 um, how am I trying to say this? It increases my hunger for the Lord because that's one of the things I was created for, was to write music, to declare heaven to earth. And one of those songs was, hey, hey. You know, so when I see when I see all of you singing, we'll sing and we'll dance and we'll shout the victory, lift up your hands, you know, and I'm seeing it bring freedom in the house. I'm like, yes, I'm going to hunger and thirst more for the Lord. And we are two together. Amen, church. We're going to hunger and thirst for the presence of the Lord this season like never before. Hunger for his word. Be filled up and give it away because this is what we were created for. That's right. Amen. To, to your point, what you just said. You were talking about using your gifts. Yeah. It's, naturally speaking, it's activity that produces natural hunger. Very good. Right? And so spiritually, and listen, you know, Jen's saying to use our gifts. Jen didn't make that up. And it's not like some pastor trick to like, oh, we need people to help serve in church. Yeah, you've got to use not your gifts. Not all your gifts should be used in the church. Amen? Yeah. Your whole life should be using your gifts for the glory of God, and you already are. Amen. Uh, but 1 Peter 4.10 says that God has given each one of us a gift. Use them to serve the body well. So that natural activity of you using your gift creates a hunger on the inside of you for more, where you desire more, where you have to use your, I'm using my gift naturally, you know, like when you go for a walk, you go for a run, you go do something out in the yard, what happens after you've expended that energy? You're hungry. The same thing happens spiritually. Use your gifts and watch and see what happens inside of you. Yeah, and it connects us more with the Lord. It keeps us connected because we can't use our gifts, uh, uh, you know, aside from the grace of God, you know, as we're connected to the Lord, you know. And it connects us more, you know, if you're using your gifts in church, you feel more connected in the church, you know. And it just fuels that fire inside of us that I have been born into the kingdom That's for right. such a time. It says, you are not created to take up space in this world no. and to just steal oxygen from this world without breathing it into other people. You were created to breathe oxygen, the breath of God in your lungs and breathe that breath into the world around you every single day on your life until you tarry and go up to heaven. Amen. For this cause we were born church to hunger and thirst after the Lord, you know, and his righteousness. And as we get filled with his spirit, as we get filled with, with the food of his word, give that away yeah. and we more. and more and more <laughs> stand up stand up with us here 
I love you. Have some popcorn. Taste and see that the popcorn is good. I want to pray for us. I want to pray for us as we leave this place today. And I want to pray that God puts a supernatural hunger on the inside of us. If we're in this place and, you know, you're saying, no, I'm not, I'm not hungry. I wouldn't say that to, up to today I've been hungry and thirsty for righteousness. But I know that I need to. I know that that's what I'm called to do. I know that the Lord wants me to hunger and thirst after him. Then I just want to take a moment and pray for us that he puts a hunger on the inside of us that cannot be, well, I'm going to say the word filled, but I'm saying it in the sense that it is a hunger that keeps drawing us back to himself. Because the scripture said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, they will be filled. But I want to pray that there's a hunger that is birthed on the inside of us that creates an appetite for the things of the kingdom that cause us to continually come back to his table to eat. Does that make sense? Everybody has a favorite food naturally. Whether it's something you ate when you were a kid, it's your mom made for you or your dad made, and it has special memories attached to it, or it's just a food that you ate a lot and you just love it. We all do have our preferred or favorite food. But I wanna to pray today that our appetites begin to change spiritually so that our spiritual favorite food is righteousness, is the king and his kingdom. And if you want that to be your appetite, I want you just to lift your hands to heaven and we're gonna pray all together across this place. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus for who you are and for all you've done and for all you do. Father, I thank you right now that you are changing our hunger, that you are changing our thirst, that you are transforming the things that we desire, that you are removing those things from our life and from our past, and that you are creating on the inside of us right now by your spirit a supernatural hunger and thirst for you and for your kingdom for righteousness that your righteousness that your kingdom becomes the thing that we crave like never before that it's better than the best pizza that we desire it more than the darkest chocolate father that it's better than the saltiest food that we crave you your kingdom and your righteousness beyond all these things and father I pray right now that it's a hunger that you're placing inside of us it's an appetite that you're placing on the inside of us that continually causes us to be drawn back to you and to your table to be filled and to be satisfied by who you are father i thank you in the name of jesus god all across this place i ask you by your holy spirit to point out things in our life that we have been binging on 
the nasty things that we shouldn't be filling ourselves with, the things, the treats that we shouldn't be putting before our eyes, putting inside of our body. Father, I thank you that you are pointing those things out to us so that we can begin to remove them by your Spirit. And as we remove them, Jesus, I thank you that you are filling those voids, that you're filling those holes with you and your righteousness and your goodness. Jesus, we love you so much. And we say, Father, do a work that only you can do. In the mighty name of Jesus, we all said, Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that his spirit, his love, and his life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.